It's Friday, August the 7th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Macron visits Beirut and Trump swipes at Chinese apps. First, the world in brief. Police in Beirut fired tear gas outside Lebanon's parliament as protesters vented their anger at their government's staggering incompetence. It follows a massive blast involving thousands of tonnes of explosive chemicals, left idly in a warehouse for nearly a decade. On a visit, France's President Emmanuel Macron promised international aid, but warned that Lebanon would sink without political and economic reforms. The Trump administration issued an order to ban American firms from doing business with TikTok or WeChat, two Chinese social media giants, within 45 days. In effect, this sets a deadline for Microsoft to acquire TikTok. Hours earlier, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, published a sweeping proposal to protect the country's telecoms and technology infrastructure. It amounts to isolating Chinese software, mobile networks and more, and encouraging non-Chinese companies to withdraw from Chinese app stores. The Rajapaksa brothers expanded their dominance following Sri Lanka's parliamentary elections. With the support of coalition partners, they will have the supermajority they have sought to expand the powers of the president, Gotabia Rajapaksa, while keeping the former president, Mahinda Rajapaksa, as prime minister. Riding a wave of ethnic Sinhala nationalism, they all but wiped out the opposition. A former Saudi Arabian intelligence officer accused Mohammed bin Salman, the kingdom's de facto ruler, of attempting to assassinate him. Saud al-Jobri had fallen out with MBS and fled to Canada, to where he alleges a hit squad was dispatched in October 2018, soon after killing Jamal Khashoggi, a Saudi journalist. Documents filed with an American court claim the assassins were turned back at Toronto's airport. The Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, filed a lawsuit to dissolve the National Rifle Association, a pro-gun lobby group, alleging that executives had funneled millions into their own pockets and engaged in improper practices including federal tax violations. Miss James has authority over the non-profit organisation because it is registered in the state of New York. The Bank of England held interest rates at 0.1% and offered a mixed outlook for Britain's economy. Having previously forecast a swift rebound from the pandemic, the bank now expects GDP to remain below its pre-pandemic levels until the end of 2021. But the 9.5% slump in GDP it expects this year is less severe than its earlier prediction of 14%. Glencore, a mining and commodities giant, scrapped its planned annual dividend worth $2.6 billion. The company blamed the uncertain economic outlook caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and pledged to reduce its debt instead. The company made a net loss of $2.6 billion in the first six months of this year. And correction. Yesterday, in some editions, we implied that the Reserve Bank of India's benchmark interest rate was 3.75%. It was and is 4%. And mangling our grammar, we also inadvertently suggested that Sudan was responsible for starting the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, instead of Ethiopia. Sorry on both counts. And now, here's today's agenda. Recovery stalled? America's Jobs Report America's monthly jobs report may be the world's most closely watched regular economic publication. July's appears today. Unemployment shot up to 15% in April, one of the rich world's highest rates. Since then, it has been on a gentle downward trend as lockdowns were eased and people started moving about again. But some economists fear that July will have marked the end of this welcome progress. 
In recent weeks, many states, especially in the Sunbelt, have imposed or reimposed restrictions to cope with the sharp rise in cases of COVID-19. It is quite likely that unemployment in these states is rising, maybe by enough to reverse the trend. Other economists think that the easing of lockdowns in other parts of the country will be enough to push down the national rate, if only by a bit. Almost everyone agrees that so far there is little sign of a V-shaped recovery in America's labour market. One tragedy after another. Rebuilding Beirut. The cleanup crews will be out today, tomorrow and for days to come. Repairing the damage from the catastrophic explosion at Beirut's port on August 4th will take years. The blast from a massive stockpile of ammonium nitrate igniting killed at least 157 people. Dozens more are missing, feared trapped under rubble. Over 5,000 were hurt and 300,000 are homeless. Aid has poured in. Aircraft rumble overhead, laden with medical supplies and rescue teams to ease the immediate humanitarian crisis. But rebuilding seems near impossible. Lebanon's currency has lost 80% of its value on the black market. Officially, it is pegged to the dollar since October and inflation is soaring. Around half the country lives in poverty. The government was negotiating a $10 billion rescue package with the IMF, but talks stalled. And a deal would not even cover the losses from the explosion. The governor of Beirut estimates the damage at up to $15 billion. Slippery Customer Belarus's Dictator Threats Belarus, a post-Soviet country of almost 10 million people, faces a dramatic moment in its short history as an independent nation. On Sunday, Belarusians will vote for their president. Alexander Lukashenko, a populist autocrat often called Europe's last dictator, has held the office for 26 years. He has jailed his opponents, banned opinion polls and stretched voting over several days to give himself plenty of room for rigging. Doubtless, he will declare victory by a fat margin. What is less certain is whether the Belarusian people will accept this result. Protests against Mr Lukashenko have spread across the country. His main challenger, Svetlana Tikhonovskaya, the wife of a jailed vlogger, has consolidated the opposition and draws vast crowds at campaign rallies. So Mr Lukashenko has turned to scaremongering, accusing Russia of plotting against him to unleash violence. His desperation is only fitting. The people of Belarus are desperate to be rid of him. Roaring success. Hangzhou Tiger Med. Never have clinical trials received so much attention from stock watchers as in 2020. Positive results from potential COVID-19 treatments and vaccine trials have caused entire stock markets to rally more than once this year. Though drug makers grab all the headlines, the hard work of running the trials is often outsourced to contract research organisations. These lesser-known firms do the unglamorous but lucrative work of recruiting patients, designing the experiments and analysing trial data. The biggest among them sport market capitalizations of several billion dollars. Hangzhou TigerMed, one of China's biggest such businesses, will list shares valued at $1.4 billion on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange today, completing Asia's largest healthcare stock offering this year. The Chinese company's popularity among investors is predictable. Shares already listed on the Shenzhen Stock Exchange have risen by 78% since the beginning of the year. States of Isolation Australia's Internal Borders Almost all of Australia's states and territories have closed themselves off since the pandemic began. The border between New South Wales and Victoria, which has most of the country's 8,000-odd cases, has been shut since July 8th. This weekend, Queensland closes its border to New South Wales, of which Sydney, Australia's biggest city, is the capital. 
Such restrictions helped curb the spread of COVID-19 in less populated parts of the country, making them popular with local voters. But they have also stalled plans to revive domestic tourism and irked some businesses. Clive Palmer, a mining magnate, is suing Western Australia, which isolated itself in April, for refusing to let him enter. He argues that indiscriminate closures breach a constitutional requirement that trade, commerce and intercourse among the states should be absolutely free. If the High Court agrees, Western Australia will have to loosen its restrictions. Other states may be forced to follow. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Rabindranath Tagore, who died on this day in 1941. If you shed tears when you miss the sun, you also miss the stars. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.